A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. Here are your hosts, Dan Hansen and Betsy Thompson. Well, happy Saturday, everybody. Hopefully you had a great week and are getting ready to have an even better weekend because that's what we want, right? The best weeks and the best weekends. That's always the ideal situation. I know my weekends are epic. Every single one. Epic. I don't know that I'd say that that's really all that honest, but it's what I would prefer. Epic in a good way, too. Not epic as in we spent a lot of time at the emergency room because we've been there and done that before, and that's not so much fun. So hopefully everybody's having a great week, and hopefully today is completely emergency room free. Now, for the show, normally we'd give you a rundown as to what we're going to talk about, all the things that we're going to cover, things that are going to make you want to stay glued to the radio dial. Well, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do that at the end of this first segment because I want to get right into the first topic, and I want to do it in a different way. See, Betsy isn't here, so there's nobody to interact with. It's just me talking into an empty room and imagining a bunch of people listening. So... Might as well just try to do something a little different and see if that works. So I wanted to start with something that I thought about and I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks. I've done a fair amount of reminiscing, thinking back on all the years ago when the kids were little and what life was like back then. Because I've got five kids and life certainly was really, really interesting. It's still interesting, but when the kids were littler, things were absolutely crazy. And there were a lot of funny stories that happened. And over that time, when the kids were so little, one of the things that I realized right off the bat, and it stayed true to this very day, but I realized that I really, really stink at laundry. I'm no good at it. I'm terrible. Now, I can handle the washing, the drying, the folding, things like that. I can do okay with that. I'm not great with the folding, but I can work my way through it. But the thing that I always struggled with was figuring out whose stuff was whose and where in the world it went. You know, this was especially true when the kids were really little. Like I said, I had five of them and I could never tell whose little pair of leggings was whose and whose little shirt was whose. I just couldn't do it. I still can't for the most part. It's not learned helplessness, I don't think. I really think it's just incompetence. But anyway, even if I did manage to struggle through and figure out whose particular little thing was some was whose, I still could never figure out where it went. That was the next part of the problem, trying to get it into the right drawer. I'm as likely to crack a safe as I am to decode the kids' organization system for their dresser drawers, right? Anyway, there was one example that really brought this home to me, and I still think about it from time to time because it was so disturbing but also so funny. And there was a great paint point that could be drawn from it. So it really was an ideal situation for me. Anyway, a number of years back, I remember I had helped with laundry and Caleb, my then 10-year-old son, after his evening bath, I heard him shout from the bedroom as he got out of the bath, I heard him shout the following phrase, hey everybody, look what's in my underpants drawer. Now, that generally makes parents a little uncomfortable. I would, would bet. I know it certainly made me nervous. I wasn't sure what the boy was going to come out with. And after a horrifying and slightly awkward delay, he burst into the living room with something that definitely did leave all of us scratching our heads. And it's the reason I remember this to this day. The boy bursts into the room wearing a pair of my underpants. 
Now, right, he was a little skinny nothing thing at 10 years old, and he's holding on to these underpants by the waistband, and he's got it pulled up around his ears like, like it's a bushel basket or something. And the whole thing was disturbing to say the least, but what was worse was the huge grin and the weird river dance-like thing that he was doing as he said, I'm wearing dad's underpants. And there we all sat, our mouths open, trying to unsee what we were forced to watch. And somehow in the middle of all the prancing, I couldn't stop myself from thinking, good job, dad. You couldn't even tell your own underpants from a 10-year-old kid's. Now, everybody in the family is scarred for life. Good job. Right? That's what I was thinking. So with all of that said, I hate doing laundry. I hate it. It's confusing. It's frustrating. It's time consuming. I can sit for huge chunks of time in the living room, looking at a full laundry basket, pulling out little items, moving them from pile to pile as I try to figure out who in the world they might belong to. And no matter how long I do that, I still end up putting my underpants in somebody else's drawer or worse yet. And yes, this has happened. I put somebody else's underpants in mine. That's another story for another day. That was equally as horrifying, maybe even worse. Anyway, as uncomfortable as all of that is to talk about and visualize for you guys, I'm sorry, early on a Saturday, that's the last thing you needed. There is a pain point related that that fits really beautifully into that. See, the same clothes sorting nightmare concept applies to leftover paint in a home improvement project, right? See, I don't know how many times I've helped customers in the store who complain that they need touch-up paint for the living room, maybe the trim or something like that, but they can't find the gallon or remember the color that they used. We've all been there. We go down to the workroom shelves and we see gallons and quarts of all the paint that we've ever used in the entire home. You know, this is all the paint we've used through all the years. There it sits. But we can't remember or figure out which product was used where. Or worse yet, we think we figure it out right? Have you ever done this? You think you figure it out and you bring the wrong gallon in and have us duplicate it. You know, just a few weeks ago, a customer brought in what she thought was the stain for her home and had us make 10 gallons of it. Turns out she brought in the paint can for her storage barn. So all that to say, we've all likely struggled with that problem from time to time, or at least you can easily imagine the dilemma. My kitchen trim and my living room trim are painted similar colors. Similar, but not exact. I, however, didn't realize this. And when I went to do some touch-ups, I grabbed what looked like the right color and brushed it on everything. Have you ever done that? That's real fun the next day when you realize that you've got all these little spots all over the place that don't match. Again, it's very frustrating. It's very time consuming. It's a big problem. However, there is a simple fix, a simple procedure you can get yourself in the habit of that will make your life easier, at least in regards to leftover paint. And here's what it is. First off, every time you do any painting, label every single gallon with a Sharpie marker before you put it away on your shelf. Label the can with the room that it was used as well as the date that you used it. Now, it's a simple step that's going to take you maybe, what, 20 seconds? But it's going to make locating that paint again in the future much, much easier. Now, when you do this, we recommend that you write on the front of the can, if possible. Sometimes people will write on the lid, and that means you've got to pull it off the shelf every single time to take a look at it. Write on the front of the can, if you can, so that when you look at the shelf, you can see it right away. If there's no room on the label, and you don't want to cover over anything important, make sure you don't do that. But if there's no real clean spot to write on, put a piece of masking tape over the front of the can. Write on that. Again, the room that you used it in and the date that you did it on. And if it's trim or or something like that, label those areas as well. All right, that's a huge step towards organizing the leftover paint, but it's not the only thing that you should do. The other step you can take, which is really going to pay off big sometime down the road, I guarantee it, it'll pay off huge, and it's this, make a paint file. 
It's easy. You just pick up a pack of three by five note cards and one of those little note card storage box things, right? Store the box either with your paint on your paint shelves or somewhere where it's easy to find. Whenever you paint a room in the house, label the can like we discussed. Of course, do all of that, but also take a couple of minutes and fill out the card. You're going to want to title the card with the room that you used it on, the surface or the area, you know, the north wall, the trim, whatever. Include the date on the card. And then finally, write down every piece of color information on the label. Write down the base that the paint was made from, the type of paint, the brand, the finish, and the color formula. All of those things. Or better yet, when you get your paint at Repcolite, just ask the person who's making the paint to print an extra sticker. We throw stickers on the side of the can with the formula. Ask for an extra sticker. The sticker will have everything that we need to duplicate your color, and you can just take it and stick it on the note card and store it in the box. Before you tuck the box away, here's one more thing that you could do. You could roll out a sample of the color on some thin cardboard or even cardstock or something like that. Maybe even another 3x5 note card. Let the paint dry overnight or more if necessary. And then when it's completely dry, store that in the box with your formula note card. The color sample that you've got of the actual paint is going to come in very handy down the road. You can use it when you're picking out home decor or furniture. Just take along with you to the store. It's like having a chunk of your wall in your hands so you can match up the colors. And then when you're in need of new paint, you can bring that sample along with your card with the formula on it. And that gives us something to double check. We can make your paint, double check it to the color that you brought in, make sure everything is good. Now, these aren't groundbreaking things. I know that. They're not rocket science kinds of things. They're pretty basic, pretty common sense. And I think we've even talked about a number of these on past segments. But still, these are things that a lot of people don't do. And if you do them, it's going to make this whole process of touching up and repainting and all of that so much easier down the road. It's going to make it almost trouble free. There you go. There's the first one for the day. Now, coming up on the rest of the show, we're going to be talking about how to safely and responsibly get rid of unwanted latex and oil-based paint. Then we're going to be digging into a very simple and very inexpensive way to add that shiplap look to any room of your home. And then finally, at the end, we're going to be talking about some ways you can decide if painting your cabinets is the right project for you. Not everybody wants to paint wood. There's a big struggle, a big debate about painting wood. Is that good or bad? We've got a few things that might help you decide which side of that you fall on and which is going to be best for you. That's all coming up on the rest of the Repcolite Home Improvement Show today. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully you got everything you needed during the break. Maybe you toasted a bagel, slathered it over with a little bit of honey and butter. That sounds pretty good to me. Or whatever you got, peanut butter and jam on your bagel. Or maybe toast, maybe eggs. Who knows? Whatever it is that you needed, hopefully you got it. So we can move on undisrupted. And what I want to get to, or who cares what I want to get to, what I want to start with is that live chat function that we put on the Repcolite homepage, repcolite.com. It's something that we've talked about before, and it's it's just turning out to be such a cool way to interact with customers and for customers to interact with us. You don't have to wait on hold. You don't have to do anything like that. You just you don't have to interact with people in a conversational manner. That's always a strain for me sometimes to manage to pull off a conversation as flawlessly as I would prefer to, because most of the time 
I, I don't get anywhere close to that. I stumble through everything. At least typing, I can control what message I'm sending. But the live chat has worked out really well. We've gotten a lot of great questions, and we're going to talk about a couple of them right now. Just because we're getting them so often, it seems to be the question that's out there in people's mind. So I wanted to get to that. But before I do, just remember that that chat function is online every weekday from 7 o'clock in the morning to 6 at night, and then every Saturday from 7.30 in the morning till 1 in the afternoon. So there's always somebody there monitoring it. And if you've got a question that comes up in the middle of a project or before the store even opens, that's where you can get an answer. All right. Like I said, we've got a number of questions that have come in over the last week or two, and it's been surprising how many of them revolve around the same couple of topics. So we thought we'd hit some of these and and deal with them right here and maybe answer them for more people. Now, the first one that that it wins all the time. It's it's the one that comes up more than anything else, and it's this: What do we do with unwanted latex paint? Do you guys recycle it? Well, a number of years back, Repcolite launched a product called Recoat Recycled Paint, and it was more than just a product. It was an entire process or system. We would take back your old latex paint, the latex paint that you didn't want. It was still usable, but you didn't want it anymore. You just didn't know what to do with it. We would take it back, and we would actually turn it into new paint, recycled paint. It had 50% new products and 50% recycled materials. It was a great product. It came at a great price point, and you know Notice, I am talking about it in the past tense, and that is because it's been discontinued, and we discontinued the paint part of it because we just really could offer too few colors. I think that's what it really boiled down to, is there were 20 colors that were available, and they were relatively great colors, but the problem was we spend all of our time marketing and telling people there's no limit to the color choices you can have. That, that's the whole message all the time. That's Benjamin Moore's message all the time. Find your color, whatever it is, and we'll turn it into paint for you. And then we had Recoat that had 20 colors. So we were trying to say, here, your color, we've already found it for you, and it's in one of these 20. It just didn't move like it needed to. And so we discontinued the product. But we've kept the service or the process of taking your latex paint back in place. So here's how it works. We take the paint back in, and there's a $3 handling charge per container. So that's that's per container. If it's a five-gallon bucket, it's three bucks. If it's a quart, it's three bucks per container. We need them to be in the original container because we need to know what the paint was. So you can't take all of your paint and pour them into a five-gallon bucket and bring it in because we need to know that it was all water-based paint. And what we do with it is we send it off to a number of other paint recycling places that will literally turn it into product that they put on various store shelves. And if it can't be recycled in that manner, if some of, some of it is just no longer good or usable, we will dispose of it uh, environmentally responsibly, which means we just harden it. And once it's hardened, it can be thrown away with no real concerns. So if you've got unwanted latex paint in your basement, you can bring it in. Any Repcolator Port City paint store, like I said, there's that $3 handling charge per container, and it does need to be in the original containers. And the only other thing is we, we generally try to take back 20 gallons at a time. You know, we don't want to have too many more than that just because it's time-consuming and it just makes the wait last longer. We are doing that right now, even during all of the COVID stuff. So you can bring the paint in. If you want to give the store a call, 
the store that you plan to stop by. That might be wise. You don't need to make an appointment, but it might be worth talking to them and finding maybe a good time. You know, showing up at the morning rush or the afternoon rush might not be the wisest time. There might be better times that'll get you in and out quicker. Now, if you don't want to bring your paint back and have us take care of it, there are ways that you can dispose of it responsibly on your own. Now, latex paint, it can be thrown out as long as it's dry. It's the wet paint that's the problem. So if you dry it out by pouring it, let's say, into a large, flat, disposable tray, maybe you line the tray with plastic bags or something, or maybe it's a plastic tray, but if you fill that tray with kitty litter or sawdust or something like that, you can pour the paint into it and dry it out and then just scoop it up and throw it away. No problem with that. Now, some people uh, go the route of leaving the can open on their paint shelf. That's what they'll recommend. Leave the can open, let the paint harden, and then throw it away. Here's the, there, there's a couple of problems with that, and here they are. First off, the can, when it's open on the shelf, you're, you're just asking for trouble, really. We've run into a couple instances where a cat has knocked it over, and now you've got a great big mess to clean up. Uh, kids could knock it over. There's just that possibility. The other thing that's possible is that paint will skin over. You know, we've all seen that. You open up a can of paint that's been sealed and there's a paint skin in there. If you've ever messed with that or tried to remove it, you realize that it can be a quarter of an inch thick. It can be half an inch thick, but there's still wet paint underneath it. So it can skin over in your open can, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the paint all the way down to the bottom of the can has been hardened and you could throw it away and still create a problem. And we don't want that. That's not good for anybody. So Pouring it out is the better way to go, or bring it to any Repcolite or Port City paint store. Now, if you've got oil-based paint, that's an entirely different story. We don't take oil-based product back, but your county hazardous waste collection site will. Now, I checked with the Ottawa County site, and even right now, they're open and taking back paint and other household hazardous waste. Masks are required, of course, and six-foot spacing between customers, all of those things, but you don't need an appointment. Kent County has their own sites. Basically, what you'd want to do is just check online. Google household hazardous waste disposal in my county, and you'll, you'll get the locations, and you can call them. You can email them. They might even have their hours posted right there, and you can see once what products you can bring and all of those things. That's the best way to get rid of your oil-based paint that you don't want, lacquers, things like that. If it's latex, we can take it, any Repcolite or Port City paint store, and it doesn't need to be Repcolite or Port City paint product. It just needs to be water-based. It can be anybody's product. We're trying to help you make sure that you can get it out of your house and responsibly taken care of. So that's why we're keeping that program going. All right, there's one big question. We get tons of that, and that's really all the time we've got. I just wandered into that. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be in the studio with Repcolite's own Dave Helmholt filling in for Betsy and talking about a shiplap project that he undertook this Christmas. That's all coming up next. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and right now, filling in for the role of Betsy, playing Betsy for this weekend, I've got Dave Helmholt with me from RepcoLite. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dan. You nice got to do to be it here. in Betsy's voice. 
I don't think I can do Betsy's voice, but I do have a great face for radio. So. Oh, yes, you do. You do. You definitely do. <laughs> and yeah, any images we post of Dave will be blurred for <laughs> your viewing pleasure because uh, we don't want to show anything too high def, right? Have no. you ever, I mean, I know that the whole high definition TV, you've got um, like a big theater thing in your home, right? You know, when we built the house, we built a room you know, specifically with the intention of eventually having a home theater. And mm-hmm. so over the por- course of the last 11 years, I've slowly added to the theater and, you know, surround sound and a projector and, you know, little upgrades yeah. that uh, you've actually helped me with, some uh, coding that we manufacture Movie specifically night. for uh, projection screens. And so it's uh, it's been a fun journey for So me. how big is that screen? Oh, it's 138 inches diagonally. All right. So do you notice when you're viewing things in high def, how people aren't what we think they are? You know, we see all these famous people and, and we see these Photoshop touched up images, I believe. And then we see them in crystal clarity. Well, so, you know, it's funny <laughs> when they first came out with high definition, you know, think back to like newscasts and yes. um, newscasters <laughs> had to change their makeup routines they because they used to cake it on. I mean, uh, and, and all of a sudden now they could see every little detail. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Uh, my technology in that room would be considered, you know, it's, it's high def, um, but it's kind of been passed now there's 4k 4K. and 8k you know coming so Um, you could just imagine seeing the the blemishes and the pimples on (laughs) the news (laughs) newscasters which is why we prefer an audio medium absolutely rather than video because i don't think there's enough makeup in the world to fix what you got going on (laughs) there is not no (laughs) and i i'm no no shining example either of the poster child for 4K video. Yeah, right. I, I don't think any of us We're are definitely suited for definitely radio. Definitely not. We've there's got to be somebody else in this company that would be much better <laughs> in person than us. So. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> All right, let's get to what I wanted to talk about because you tackled a project that I thought was really fun and it was quite simple over Christmas for your wife. Yeah, and the thing that made this come back to mind is I stumbled on on Facebook because we do the show. There's all these different pages that I've liked, you know, just because every now and then info comes across the feed and, you know, maybe gives us an idea for a, for a segment. Sure. And I ran into one from some blogger, some well-respected blogger. So if the idea is good and I'm just not catching it, you know, that's my bad. But the person made shiplap, which is what we want to talk about, on her wall using a Sharpie marker. And that's impressive. You think so? I, I, I can't imagine how much effort would have to go through to use a to use a sharpie and make shiplap. Well, I wondered about painting over that when the time comes. No, thank you. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be really good. I've had sharpie marker. Now maybe mine has been too fresh, but I've had it bleed through. Oh yeah, I, I think that's one of you know when people call in with with questions or stop into the store with difficult things to cover. Yeah. Sharpie marker would be one of them. Yeah, and that was the thing that I kept thinking about is, yes, you know, because what they did is they created this great big level, and they just went through a box of Sharpies, creating those black lines on the wall to give the impression. And visually, it kind of gave the impression uh, of shiplap. But when when I watched that, I thought about all the work to repaint when that comes, the, the potential 
of it bleeding through or sure. even not being able to hide it as well as you would like to, you know, all of those things. And then when I thought about how simple your process was, I thought, why in the world would you do it that way? Well, and I, I think the process I did was quite simple, but I'll, I'll throw this out there. You know, we're talking about redoing a wall down the road, right? So painting over Sharpie has its own issues, right, with bleed through. The flip side of it is if we decide to take down shiplap to paint that wall, mm-hmm. we've got our own stuff there, you know, where we'd have to That's true. skim coat the wall and go through steps there. So is one necessarily worse than the other if you decide to reverse course, you know, in a couple years? I guess maybe it might. I might take my shot at covering the Sharpie as opposed to right. skim coating nope. the whole wall. That's fair. That is fair. However, I'm not going to go out on the, the limb and recommend the Sharpie thing just well, because... I can't. But that is a point to, to tuck away. But let's get to yours because right. I think it was very simple and it's it wasn't terribly expensive. No. So the reason that I did the process that I did was it was twofold. One, it's a surprise for my wife. And so I didn't want the cost popping out, you know, because she'd notice right away if I spent oodles of money. Yeah, good surprise and then the bad surprise. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I wanted to do that. It kept the cost low. But Really, the reason I went the direction that I did for the shiplap and the way that I did it was because architecturally speaking, I had some issues in the room to work around. And if I did traditional shiplap using um, full-size boards, I I would have struggled to finish the project. Instead, the, the way that I did it had a very minimal impact overall on the room and architecturally didn't get in the way. So it was very easy to work around stuff. So what did you do? Tell everybody what you used. Well, I I went to a hardware store and bought five millimeter poplar plywood in four by eight sheets. And it's important that people understand why I went with poplar. It's a very smooth grain wood. So Mm -hmm. there's no open grain to it. Very easy to paint, very easy to make it look like standard pine boards, smooth pine boards. Right. Poplar is one of those things that that it looks so pretty. It can look so pretty on the shelf. Yeah. And if you're painting it, it's ideal. Absolutely. Don't make the mistake mistake of it's buying that to stain it. Not great it, to stain. Right. With. It's a mess to stain. But uh, but perfect for painting. Mm-hmm. And so by using, um, you know, five millimeters is not thick at all. Um, but what we did is, and actually Dan helped me in the process, we took a table saw and we ripped the four by eight sheet down to roughly over about five and a half inches in width. Right. Um, the only one that I had to really worry about was the last row that I had to then, you know, rip those to a smaller size. But mm-hmm. everything was ripped to five and a half inches. And and really, that process went really smooth with a table saw in two people. Yeah. You know, we went through that quite quickly. I would say- maybe 10, 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Um, and because I had them all ripped, I was able to pre-paint a coating on them. So Before did you prime them all it. ahead of time, or would you go? Did you go just straight to finish paint? Actually, that's a great question. Well, I, because thanks, I wanted to do this project quickly, mm-hmm. I pre-painted. We ripped the we ripped the four by eight sheets down to the size I wanted, and then I put a coating on them. Mm-hmm. So actually, most of the time in our industry, we would rec somebody recommend somebody to prime them. I did not prime them. I yeah. went straight to finish coat because poplar doesn't have chances of bleeding through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was strictly to save time. So I painted a coat of uh, Benjamin Moore Scuff-X on them. So one coat. And then I went 
directly to hanging them. So my son's going to help me. We're going to do this while my wife's at work. I'm going to surprise her. And we get the first two rows up and quickly realized that the color behind was showing through too much. Oh, so you hadn't painted the wall. I hadn't. I had kept and you it the were color leaving that a gap it was. or something between each board. I was leaving a nickel gap. Literally, a nickel gap is exactly what it sounds like. I took a nickel, held it in place, and put the next row up against that, so it would have that gap. The problem that I found when I did that is it didn't hide the color behind it well enough. So what happened is even trying to I was going to paint them once they were all up, mm-hmm. but I couldn't get a brush in there enough. A nickel gap just wasn't enough to consistently get. So I had two rows up. We quickly ripped them down, which was nothing, and I painted the wall white. So if I went back and did this all over again, would have painted the wall white in the first place mm-hmm. and then hung the shiplap. Now, did you put the shiplap directly onto the, the wall board? Did you put any kind of furring strips or nope, anything up? I did directly to the wall board. Did you glue I used, it or just nail it? I just nailed it. Because I was surprising my wife, I didn't want to take the chance of gluing it and then having to rip it down if she didn't really care for it. Gotcha. <laughs> so I, uh, we did. I took a finish nailer and we nailed them directly too. The nice thing with a finish nailer is I didn't have to look for studs. Um, I could nail pretty much anywhere. Um, it turned out really nice. You know, once we got it all up, we f- simply filled some nail holes with some putty with a, actually a really quick, quick drying uh, spackle. Mm-hmm. You know, so paintable in thirty minutes, sandable in thirty minutes, and and that held true. So we we quick puttied them, painted them, and looked fantastic. And you did all of that in the span of an afternoon, right? I did or, all or of that. My wife left for work in the morning, and by the time she got home, I was literally trying to put the room back right, together. Right. right. Um, so the surprise wasn't completely perfect. perfect. Um, she was on to something, you know, when the room was all in disarray. But uh, overall, the project turned out absolutely fantastic. Some minor changes that I would make here and there. Uh, but, you know, for finding an idea online mm-hmm. and implementing it really quickly it went actually really well and it made a very dramatic effect honestly i i think i added up the the total cost of all the materials to do it was seriously like 70 dollars. oh really yeah holy smokes 70 well other than the paint but the you uh, stole that but the right? mater- exactly <laughs> yep it's nice working for a paint company it used to thank, be thank you kevin herman and benjamin moore for some paint <laughs> Uh, but it turned out fantastic, and it was not expensive at all. If I had used real wood, so you know, you think a three-quarter or one-inch thick solid, boards, not plywood, solid boards, um, the the cost easily would have been probably you know three to four hundred dollars, and way more complicated than what this one ended. Well, up Well, and being. it comes off of the wall that much further too, which is I think why you ended up using the thinner planks. I did. I, I used the thinner planks, and again, I didn't want to have to cut around. Uh, window trims. We we have a forty five degree wall that butts up to that, so I would have had problem with window trim. It also made cutouts for electrical much easier because working with thin boards, I could cut them real easy, mark them right on the wall, and and go down and cut them very quickly. So all right, well, it's a super simple project. You did it relatively quickly, yeah. very inexpensive. Threw your next coat of paint on it. And it looked great, right? Looks fantastic. Looks super. Your wife was happy. That's my, what matters. My wife is actually very happy. <laughs> we'll put a photo or two in the show notes. 
and maybe a project list of what you use to get that so that people have something to work from if they want to check it out and maybe try something on their own. Yeah. Thanks, Betsy's substitute for the day. Dave Helmholt, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was all right. You did okay. <laughs> you weren't too nervous. No, you you've make, done this before. You, you make this really easy. Well, I am a professional, Dave. <laughs> all right. When we come back, we're going to be talking about kitchen cabinets and whether or not it's right for you to paint them. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung. The RepcoLite Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Betsy, one of the things that comes up when people talk about painting their kitchen cabinets, mm-hmm. in fact, there's there's two things that usually come up. The first thing is one person in the couple will say, can we paint our kitchen yeah. cabinets, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, you can. Yeah. That's definitely a project that anybody can tackle. Right. And then the second question that comes up is, should we? And normally, nine times out of ten, that person is absolutely in love with the idea of wood cabinets that would look. And painting over it almost feels blasphemous in a way. Well, it's funny because quite often you'll get couples where one will want to paint the cabinets Mm -hmm. and the other one is absolutely against painting the cabinets. Well, and and it, so you have to help them. It's like being a marriage counselor. You have to kind of help them arrive well, at, you know, the same conclusion. Right. What's really funny about that is a lot of the times, not always, by, by no means always, but but there are a number of times where the person who doesn't want to paint the cabinets and has mm-hmm. all these reasons is actually the person who's going to be expected to do the work. Yeah, it's self-preservation. So, yeah, it makes me wonder how much <laughs> of that is a real hesitancy right? and how much is manufactured mm-hmm. just to, you know, well, make sure that my weekends stay open. And I think there is a little bit of that feeling for some people. You know, they sit there and they go, oh, I would really love painted cabinets, but what happens if wood comes back? Well, what happens if wood comes back mm-hmm. is one idea. And the other idea is it just feels wrong yes. to paint over this beautiful, what was once considered, right. you know, pristine, mm-hmm. beautiful wood. It right. just feels wrong. I can paint over something that's a particle board. You know, all mm-hmm. of those surfaces, right. no big deal. Because right. it's not beautiful as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we see this with um, antiques. Yeah. I mean, antique is maybe the wrong word, but right. furniture that's refinished mm-hmm. or restored or refurbished or what, what's the big word? Repurposed. Repurposed. All of that. You run into these two different crowds mm-hmm. where one crowd absolutely is adamant that painting these surfaces is tantamount to, right. you know, you've really crossed a line. And then another group is saying, hey, do My whatever you want. My grandpa would tell you if you painted anything that's wood, you are just on the wrong side of things. Yeah, see, there's that. So what is the right thing when it comes to kitchen cabinets? What do we need to do and how do we assess if it's right to paint over the wood? And I got to think that it really has to, bottom line, Mm -hmm. come down to what you really want. There is no right or wrong. That's how I fall on the whole antique thing. Now, if you've got George Washington's writing bureau. Yeah. Okay. That's a historical piece with inherent value, (laughs) right? right? That should be left alone. But other antiques, Mm -hmm. they're just old. Right. You know, maybe the value, the value when we own, I mean, unless Mm -hmm. I'm going to sell it somewhere and it it doesn't have historical value. Right. The value that it comes, that comes from it is, Mm -hmm. is the value I put into it by how much I enjoy it. Right. If I am sick to death of my oak cabinets in the kitchen, 
it's time to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with painting over them. Right. And a couple of things to think about is a lot of the people who've got this situation and a number of people that we, we talk to in the store on a regular basis, they're completely overwhelmed with wood right now. Yeah. And in fact, by keeping everything wood, mm -hmm. you're minimizing the effect and the beauty of the wood that you do have. Right. And what we mean by that is that if you have a wood floor mm -hmm. and you've got wood cabinets, everything's oak, everything's whatever, do either one of those two components in your kitchen really step out and stand out right. and make a statement? They kind of blend together and the whole mm -hmm. thing becomes this orb of wood, you know, well, when you're surrounded by it. That's true because I was actually talking to someone at the Home and Garden Show and she was contemplating painting her kitchen cabinets because she has a log home. And she said, the walls are wood, the floor is wood, the cabinets are wood. It's a lot of wood. Yeah. And her, and her big, you know, discussion with herself was, you know, do I paint them? Is that bad to paint the wood? But feels bad. It, it feels bad, but yet she was kind of looking for that change just to break it up a little bit to make the rest of the wood pop and not just fade away into a blob. That is the thing. Not only will you brighten up a space mm -hmm. because putting a white or whatever color, I mean, and right. you can go any direction yeah. with it, but let's just say white. Putting that on your cabinets that originally had this wood tone, this orange look, like the 80s, mm -hmm. the 90s, yeah. golden oak that right. so many people have. Yeah. Getting rid of that is all of a sudden going to make that oak floor that a lot of us also have mm -hmm. look completely, it's going to right. stand out. It's going to actually become the statement piece that it was meant to be, mm -hmm. that you paid for. Right. And now, you know, yeah, you've covered over the oak on the cabinets, but you've actually allowed the oak on the floor to really stand out and mm -hmm. make a statement in the kitchen. And that's a win. Right. I guess the bottom line for me, I don't know how you feel about it, Betsy, because mm -hmm. we have not talked about this ahead of time. And I believe... That in a sense, we have butted heads on the antique thing a little bit. We have slightly different takes on whether yeah, that should be painted or not. Yeah. But I still come back to this is my kitchen. Mm -hmm. I'm not moving. Right. I got to like this space. Mm -hmm. And I can live with this space forever with the, with the oak on the cabinets right. and just, just gut my way through it. Yeah. What am I doing that for? I guess I'm only doing that because I don't feel like tackling the job. Mm -hmm. Or I'm hoping that it's going to come back in style. Right. I personally don't want to wait 10 more years uh, right. and tolerate my kitchen mm -hmm. for 10 years hoping that that oak look is going to come back in, that golden right. oak. For me, if that's what you feel is mm -hmm. going to rejuvenate how you feel about your kitchen space, go for it. Yeah, if everything is solid, if everything works for you, just not the color, then I say absolutely Go for the painting. And the project is not as bad as you think. Yeah. There are a lot of contractors who will tackle it if you mm -hmm. aren't interested or feel up to it. For sure. Either way, stop out at any Repco Light or Port City paint store. Give us a call. Send us an email at radio at repcolite.com. Betsy and I can walk you through the process. Mm -hmm. We can also help you find contractors in your area that could do the work instead. Yes, we And can. that is kind of nice to point and pay. Mm -hmm. The pay part yes. is not as fun. No, but the pointing part is <laughs> a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to point. <laughs> and now I've got to point out that the show's over. That's it. It just goes so fast, doesn't it? 
If you want to find it again, you can listen online at repcolite.com. You can find a bunch of other episodes there, and there's a ton of other stuff that you can do online. One of the things that you should check out is go to the Repcolite homepage, and right on that top menu, you'll see something about color tools. And from the drop-down, you'll see Be Inspired. And if you click that, what you'll find are a bunch of photographs that Betsy's taken and paired up with Benjamin Moore Colors. It's a great way to jumpstart your creative process if you're trying to pick some new colors for your home. Check it out. Now, whatever you do the rest of the day, make sure paint's a part of it. Repcolite and Port City Paint Stores are open till 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. Thanks for listening.